Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of Welcome to Primetime. My name is Anthony. I have my uh, good friend Tim here, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, some some of our favorite remakes and reboots, as well as things that we think should never be remade uh, or rebooted. But uh, first, Tim, you can go ahead and, and say hey. and uh, introduce hey. yourself. How's it going? I'm Tim. Uh, Anthony and I have been friends for it's been about 10 years now. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah close to it because we were at <laughs> FYE for a while. Yeah, we were. It's crazy. Um, yeah, that's we we kind of um, Tim was my uh, manager at FYE back in the day and uh, had a good time hanging out and working and talking movies and stuff like that. Uh, it's always cool when we had a lull in customers, we just start chatting about movies and stuff. <laughs> so, um, for sure, that was always fun. So, um, yeah, what um, so what what got you into um film in general like is that something you kind of came into later in life or is it something that you have always sort of had an interest in um it was definitely something that we did a lot as a family growing up um when i was in fifth grade uh we moved out into the country like country country way down a dirt road no cable no anything like that we had five channels on tv so there wasn't a lot to watch on television so watching movies was kind of what we did, you know, for family time and all that kind of stuff. We had a movie gallery in town and we would go for every Friday night, just about, and mom and dad would get movies for them and we would get movies for us. And then we would get some family movies. And so, yeah, so watching movies was something, you know, we kind of always did growing up. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Sounds a lot like my, uh, a lot like my childhood too just kind of like friday night was like hey mom can we go to a blockbuster and rent a movie like you know so i always look forward to that and um it was a lot of fun um so i can definitely relate to that uh did you have any any like favorites as a kid or like were you kind of just like um we, did you have like repeat rentals and stuff or do, were you always trying to rent something new um when it came to rentals yeah it was always something new um something either that my my parents really liked from you know before we were born that they wanted to show us or you know whatever the new disney movies were or anything like that but we did usually buy cuz like they would have movies that you know they would when it was a new release they would come out and there would be 30 copies in the store and then they would kind of sell off the extras as you know interest in those movies died off and they would sell their older copies that they didn't need to rent anymore. So we would buy, you know, that's where I got the original star Wars trilogy from, um, you know, a lot of movies. So we did have, you know, a personal collection kind of, of our favorites. So star Wars was definitely something we watched over and over and over again. Um, toy story. I remember me and my brother, that was like our, one of our favorite movies growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my mom had, uh, all of the, or a lot of the Disney movies, you remember the old, like the big white clamshells that the VHS oh, yeah. just come in. Yeah. The, like, yeah, the black I, diamond ones and all yeah, that. Yeah. I think she still has, I think she still has all of them at her house. I'd have to look and see, but yeah, I mean, we wore those things out. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, my, I think the, the, so rentals, my parents usually encourage me to, uh, to rent new stuff just because they're like, um you know you're 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 paying to watch it like every week if you like it that much just buy it but there's this one particular ninja turtles vhs that i used to rent like i swear like every friday from uh blockbuster or if we went to 
like video warehouse or movie gallery i'd find it there too and uh, eventually they're just like we should just buy it like we probably spend a hundred dollars in your rent oh, so yeah. just buy it but also that was the point i think if i remember correctly back when vhs tapes were kind of like sort of a new thing like they were also incredibly expensive extreme if I like yeah it's <laughs> like, like 80 uh, 90 bucks yeah 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 extremely expensive i think the one if I remember correctly, the the first two Land Before Time movies, I remember renting those multiple times. Yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. <laughs> I um, also, weirdly enough, so it would be like Ninja Turtles, like this, I don't remember which one, it was like four episodes, but there's this one episode I loved on, on the tape. And uh, I also used to rent the Cowboy Bebop movie, uh, like constantly. I, pr- I probably rented it, I don't know, 10 to 15 times. Um, I don't know why I liked it so much, but I mean, it's good, but it's know. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, I used to rent that one a lot too. Other than that, um, I tried to, as I got older, I kind of tried to like, um, I was, I was walking the, the aisles of like the, the horror aisles and stuff like that, trying to see, um, something about just going into a, a rental store and being able to see the, the artwork and things like that is streaming is convenient, but I always enjoyed going into a store and being able to see the artwork and reading a description on the back of the box and all that. Right. Definitely. And that's, that's something I still do with streaming too. Like my, it aggravates my wife to death when I don't have anything in particular I want to watch. And I switch back and forth between Hulu and Netflix and everything, just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Just because, I mean, having that, that amount of choice, I guess it is kind of a nostalgic thing too, like deep down somewhere. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. I'll switch between like, yeah, like you said, Prime, Amazon, or excuse me, Prime and Hulu and Netflix and just, yeah, Criterion Channel, whatever, and, and just like sit there and read it. I'll spend like three hours doing that. I'm like, man, I could have watched like two movies now. But, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do that all the time. Whenever um, I first moved up here and um, like I, I remember passing by, uh, we have one video store here in uh, video room, and um, I remember seeing it like several years ago when I was up here for a show and thinking it was like a place to go and buy movies. And then I realized it was just a rental place. So I was like, if I ever live here, I'm going to go there all the time. And, uh, I definitely go there all the time. It's, it's like, it's kind of crazy to go from like years of not having a a video store to, uh, to having one accessible now. It's kind of like, um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's they have so many movies there, like 30, it's like this tiny building where there's like 35,000 Blu-rays in there. Wow. Um, It's, is crazy but um i it i think i think having the that uh, like accessible to us when we were like kids and teenagers and stuff and then it just kind of going away for a long time makes you appreciate it a lot more too because just the that like having streaming and everything it's like oh it's nice but it's definitely not the same just like a um i don't know like an arcade i guess you know like those are almost things of the past but you know it's nice to be able to go and buy a a game and have it at home but there's also something about going to an arcade and playing those same games that feels better for some reason (laughs) definitely so um did your did your parents sort of pass any particular uh love of movies down to you as far as like a a particular movie that, that they had that's favorite that's a favorite of yours or even a favorite genre or just kind of a mixture of everything um I remember my dad introducing us to Star Wars. Okay. I know that that was, I mean, and I must have been very young because I don't, I don't remember a time in my life when I didn't love Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, um, that's awesome. So, so yeah, that was definitely the the biggest takeaway, and that I still love everything about Star Wars to this day. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I'd say for me personally, like uh, my, my parents enjoy watching movies, but I'm usually the one that shows them uh, movies. But I got my love of film, I think, from um, two people in particular, my grandma and uh, my uncle, um, both of them being on my on my dad's uh, side of the family. But um, yeah, my uncle kind of my, my grandma kickstarted my love of horror. Um, we used to watch like Fear Fest and stuff together. Right. Um, and then my uncle uh, kind of got me into like the weird, more like cult cinema stuff. Like um, he, he introduced me to like David Cronenberg, like The Brood and stuff like that. And uh, and then he also introduced me to like uh, Clockwork Orange and kind of, you know, like weird cult cinema, things like that. And I think that's between my grandma showing me horror and my uncle showing me the even like the deeper side of, of that horror. And, and he would, we'd always kind of talk about like cinematography and story and things like that and kind of dive deep into those topics and stuff. So I think those two people were pretty influential for me as far as showing me all the, um, the things that I like about, I mean, I, I think I tend to enjoy pretty broad uh, genres of film, but uh, I always kind of end up leaning more towards horror than anything. Right. But um, yeah, so I think today we have um, sort of the the discussion, the banner of uh, of remakes and reboots and things like that, but sort of broken down into two categories, which are um, kind of five favorite remakes, reboots, um, whatever you want to call them, and then ones that we think should never be remade or rebooted in any way. Um, so I'll let you kick off um, your top five. I guess we can kind of throw one out and go kind of back and forth. Um, so what is uh what's first on your list for for your one of your favorite remakes okay well before before i jump into that first one i we were talking earlier this week about this topic and i i got to thinking about um reboots you know that's something that sort of uh it seems like a sort of new phenomenon especially with like the superhero movies you know Mm -hmm. we're on our third spider-man batman's been redone multiple times and I remember back when The Dark Knight came out, um, explaining the concept of a reboot to my dad because he saw um, Two-Face in the trailer. And I was like, well, how are they doing Two-Face? Tommy Lee Jones has already been Two-Face. And I said, and, you know, well, this is a whole separate thing. You have to pretend like the other ones never happened before. Mm-hmm. And that movie was, what, 2008? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious what the first the first time a series like that had gotten rebooted before you have you have a guess at maybe what year the first official rebooted movie was first official rebooted movie oh man um hmm. i feel like it's going to be earlier than i expect um i really don't have a good guess though yeah, it it was earlier than I expected too. Um, so the first reboot that I could find goes back to 1984, with the movie called The Return of Godzilla. Oh and wow! Yeah, so Godzilla had obviously been around since '54 uh, was the first movie that came out, and so The Return of Godzilla was essentially what the 2018 Halloween movie did. Where it's okay. like, okay, the first movie happened, and then we're gonna forget about all the sequels, and this is the new second movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I I enjoy that aspect of remakes and reboots, but at the, at the same time, the only thing that I'm like, I get it, it kind of gives me a little bit of a headache is like the 
um, just all of the alternating timelines and stuff. Like there's now right. probably six different ways that you could view and interpret the Halloween timeline. Um, right. You know, you have like one and two, but then you have the Rob Zombie one and two, and then you have like the reboot, the 2018 reboot, and the uh, which negates the. You know, I don't have to go down that rabbit yeah, hole. But all of them. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, they're all kind of crazy. But um, I, yeah, I mean as. I, I, I personally don't really think that a, a remake or a reboot will af- affect the, I mean, it, it's, I guess it's kind of take it, take it or leave it, but I don't really think that it affects the series overall because those movies were still made. You can still watch those movies. And right. you know, if you don't like the remake or the reboot, you, you don't have to watch it. And I don't think it affects the overall quality of the original or things like that people kind of say like oh it ruined my childhood and then like oh, right you know that no, movie the, still that, happened. the original movie's still there you can watch that but yeah so I, I i was thinking about that and i thought that was pretty pretty interesting that it goes back all the way to 84 definitely earlier than i thought yeah would i would I, I mean i honestly probably would have guessed like 2004 2005 maybe I, I definitely wouldn't have guessed like 84 but um yeah that's that's pretty cool that's there's i mean there's what countless godzilla movies at this point right <laughs> like, right <laughs> I don't even know how many, but um, I'm also right. side note. I am I'm incredibly excited for Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, oh yes, pretty epic. That, that's that going to be tr- one I probably have to venture to the theater to watch because I don't like I don't think watching that at home is going to do it justice at all. For sure, and that that trailer. I mean, the trailer just showed you everything you wanted to see, and if it was just a 90 minute movie of just the two of them fighting, like that would be perfectly fine with me. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Just like John Wick, but with giant monsters. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so speaking of reboots, the first one that I've got on my list is a 2003, is the 2003 remake of, a reboot slash remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh, I like that. Um, okay. So the original came out in 1974, mm-hmm. and that was what Toby Hooper directed that, and there were multiple sequels to that one um and then in 2003 they were uh, uh remade the original story and it was sort of a reboot to the franchise um with the same title texas chainsaw massacre um and that starred uh jessica beale and of course arlie ermy played sheriff hoyt in that movie and i have seen it's been a while since I've seen the original one, but I watched the the newer one not not too long ago, um, and it it holds up. It is, I think, it is uh, scarier than the original. I mean, which with you know special effects and makeup and all that. I mean, that's of course to be expected, but I think it does hold. A, a problem that you run into a lot of times with remakes, like you were talking about before, people saying, oh, it ruined my childhood, where you kind of lose the the soul, I guess, of the original mm-hmm. movie. And it's kind of like a watered down, dumbed down version of it. Um, but I do think this remake um, kind of, you know, kind of holds up pretty well, matches the story of the original they don't change a ton but it is kind of updated for a more modern audience and uh i really really enjoy it nice yeah that that's one i would 100 percent agree with you i i i definitely prefer um the the remake to the original in that situation because 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's like it's almost like horror sacrilege to be like, yeah, I like the remake better than the than the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I mean, to be fair, like I think it's just the the original has this sort of like gritty, grimy quality to it that I think a lot of people that's what they enjoy about it. But I I personally kind of feel like anytime I watch the original, I kind of feel like I need to take a shower afterwards. I don't know, it's right, yeah. really gross. <laughs> and um the I mean to an extent the remakes do that too. Uh but they're they're just a little bit more, I guess streamlined would be the right word. I don't know. Um and I actually have you seen the the 2005 prequel uh Texas Chainsaw at the beginning? I I believe I did. If I did it was a long time ago. That had um the what's her name jordana brewster the fast and furious girl she was in that right yes yeah 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 i believe i did see it that was a really good one i actually uh i i like that one even more i think than the 03 one um i think that's probably my favorite of the entire series and i don't know if you ever saw any of the um like original sequels like texas chainsaw 2 and and yeah i've seen two two that's a weird movie (laughs) yeah they go pretty (laughs) off the wall there yeah with a lot of them but um um and yeah and that's a series that uh, they've tried rebooting multiple times so there was that one in 2003 and then there was a 2013 one that was just called texas chainsaw that had um alexandra daddario in it Mm -hmm. i didn't really care for that one that much they tried they tried to do like a halloween thing where like she was leatherface's sister or something like that do you remember that yeah i do it's been a long time so i watched that in the theater and I think that's the only time that I've seen it. Um, yeah, I, yeah they, they tried to do some weird family tie thing that I, I think missed more than anything. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there was like a really cringy line of dialogue where like at the end, after the big reveal or whatever, she's like, I think she says something along the lines of like, get him cuz or something like that. And I was just uh, like, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, there, and there's actually supposed to be another one coming out this year i don't know with COVID if it will but uh, yeah so it seems to be a franchise unlike halloween and friday the 13th that you know have had a, a remake but have you know kind of went the distance with the series the texas chainsaw i guess kind of never really found its footing after a movie or two yeah the yeah there's not really as much uh because yeah the tone of the first and the second one and then as you go like further and further in the series the tones are drastically different whereas you know halloween nightmare on elm street friday the 13th all kind of kept the same tone you know they're right. all well maybe not nightmare on elm street that might be a bad example but the, most of some of the movies did like the first three or four uh and then after that they get pretty cartoonish as well right yeah <laughs> but um yeah anyway that's a um that's a good pick and i would i would actually definitely agree with you on that one i, I prefer the 03 version all right, so what you got for your first one? So my first one is um, Last House on the Left, uh, the 2009 version. Um, mm-hmm. And it is uh, directed, I'm not sure how to say his last name. I, it's uh, Dennis Eladius, I believe is how you say his name, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, but I, this is a brutal movie, um, first of all. It's not one that I would just kind of throw on all the time. Right. Um, but I, I watched Wes Craven's version, uh, you know, the original 72 version, and it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, it again, it has that sort of very, uh, gritty, uh, grainy sort of like texture, um, to the picture. And it's just very like, 
I don't know. I just, I wasn't a huge fan. Um, the, the acting to me kind of left a little bit to be desired. Uh, whereas this, re, uh, this remake in particular, so the original is 84 minutes long and the remake is almost two hours. It's 110 minutes. So there's a lot more story fleshed out. Um, there's a lot more character development. Um, and the original, I remember not really caring about anybody um, just because it's so, it kind of, it, it, in a weird way, it's fast paced, but nothing also really happens. Uh, and then and in this one, you kind of get to know each of the characters and there's, you know, the the villains you, you learn to really, really hate. And then the good people, you know, the good characters you kind of learn to really love and care about. Uh, so it makes me that much more invested in the story personally. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's extremely violent. Um, there's, there's a couple of sexual assault scenes, which are pretty intense. Um, yep. And, uh, but what, I mean, is that's also in the original as well. Um, but yeah, just some, to me, it was just more, even though it was longer, it was much more streamlined version of the movie. I think it told the story that Wes Craven wanted to tell, um, in in kind of a better way uh and no disrespect to Wes Craven but I just think you know if I remember correctly uh Last House on the Left was one of his first movies if not his first um, yeah it was pretty early yeah and uh so I think that you know had he made this later in his career I think it, it would have uh kind of been the and, and also with the resources and things that he needed to tell the story I think it would have been uh better but I think that the this particular remake did the original story justice so right um, yeah. No, I've I've never seen the original movie, but I have seen the remake, and it I I really liked it. It was yeah, like you said, super gory and and pretty disturbing in points too. Um, but yeah, I, you know that it seems like a tough movie to do for the original one to be that short compared to having seen the new one that's almost two hours long. Yeah. Um, so there definitely must be a lot more character development which which in a movie like that where you know these horrific things are happening to these people like you you definitely with more character development care more about those characters and wanting them to to survive and get their revenge right yeah other otherwise it just kind of becomes a thing of like oh that's terrible i hope they're okay but you know like if you don't really care about them you know i feel like that's sort of the if you have any any sort of story that tells a uh, or any sort of movie that tells a story of characters in danger and peril, but you don't really care about the characters, then it's not going to be super effective. Like if you didn't, if, you know, the walking dead or something like that, for example, if you didn't care about any of the characters, then, you know, you, why would you tune in every week to see what happens to them? Right. So, um, but yeah. And I didn't, speaking of that, a little side note, I did not until just recently realized that show was still on. <laughs> <laughs> dude i so i actually really do uh, it, it went astray for you know uh, like a season or so and uh but i've I, i've invested so much time into watching it uh that i've stuck with it and i actually have to say season nine and season 10 have like really ramped it up and kind of went back to its sort of its glory days in a way um right and i i've been really enjoying it and uh yeah i'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the the last season i think it's going to be good cool yeah but um, so yeah, number two, what's your number two? All right. Number two is um, from 2016 and it is Disney's The Jungle Book. Um, okay. So Jungle Book has, I mean, Disney has been on quite a tear the past few years remaking <laughs> all of their animated movies. Um, <laughs> some of them have been pretty good. Some of them have been 
very disappointing. Um, but I, out of all, I believe I've seen all of them except Dumbo. I think that's the only one I haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't but seen that one either. To me, by far the best one is The Jungle Book. Um, it was directed by John Favreau. Um, and man, the, it, it is a beautiful movie. Like, it is insane the, what, what they ha- can do with computers these days. If you go back and watch, you know, movies, even when we were growing up in the 90s, and the computer graphics is is crazy how much it's changed over the years. Um, now, and if you go and watch any of sort of the behind the scenes of them filming, it's like a kid in a giant blue room, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, because everything it looks so lush and like right. Yeah, and so uh, John Favreau came back and did The Lion King. Was that two years ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not one of the Disney's best. Um, not that, I mean, the movie looks amazing and everything, but the, the, the thing, the issue I have probably with these Disney movies, the, with the remakes is they can't seem to land on what exactly they want to do with them. Mm-hmm. Either they want to just do a shot for shot remake and tell the exact same story like they did with Lion King, which is like, then what's the point of doing it other than you're just printing money? Right, yeah. Or with like Mulan, where you just kind of, you're, you change it up some, you take a lot of the stuff that everybody liked out of it. Like there's no music, there's no Mushu, you know, and it just kind of, and it's like, well, what's the point? I'd rather just watch the animated version. Yeah. Um, but I think Jungle Book, they, they nailed it. Um, there's enough in there of the nostalgia with the, you know, with the songs, even though the songs have been redone with the current cast, you know, Bill Murray and, um, uh, Christopher Walken, you know, singing their own, their own versions of those songs, but you have the music in there, but the movie is different enough from the original animated version that it is still worth a watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, I, I really, really enjoyed that one. I've seen that. I believe we went to the theaters and saw that and then bought it when it came out and showed it to my in-laws and like, we, we all really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. I think I also went to the theater to watch it. I'm pretty sure. And, um, yeah, I watched it several times after that too. I'm pretty sure I bought the Blu-ray as well. Um, yeah, I like that one a lot as well. Um, it's been a really, really long time since I've watched the uh, the animated one, but um, yeah, I do remember really liking the the 2016 one as well. Cool. And um, so speaking of the Disney remakes, it just came out within the past couple of days. Have you seen the trailer for Cruella? No, I've only seen the poster for it. I haven't I haven't actually watched the trailer. Um, yeah. but does you, it look good? Uh, it looks very interesting. Um, but it looks like it has almost nothing to do with 101 Dalmatians. Oh, so I okay. think they are they're going more the Maleficent route where they're not really trying to retell that story. It's you know kind of a villain origin story. Um, so you it it kind of seems very um, Harley Quinnish, where oh. you kind of see her as a regular person and you see her kind of become like the crazy person that she becomes in the 101 Dalmatians movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks pretty interesting, but again, it's the same thing with the other ones where it's they, they like, what exactly are you trying to do with these remakes? Yeah. 
I um I actually didn't know they were even doing a, a Corella movie until like I saw the poster for it and then I was like, oh well, okay, I guess that's happening. Like I didn't really know that was a thing. Um but yeah, I mean, does it, it the the vibe I got from the poster seemed like you, you know, like you said, maleficent, um kind of seemed like a more um almost sort of darker uh I, I don't know if gritty would be the right word, but maybe like a, <laughs> like oh, a more yeah, gritty yeah, version gr- of the yeah, like hundred one Dalmatians. Yeah, Gritty's correct if you watch the trailer. Like I said, it, it definitely gave off sort of Harley Quinnish kind of vibes. Um, but yeah, check that trailer out. It it looks interesting. Okay, cool. I can't I can't help but to wonder if like this whole like gritty take on everything is from the like partially because of the success of Deadpool. Um, just because, you know, an R-rated superhero movie and then everything all of a sudden was like, it needs to be rated R or it needs to be like a more adult take on a story i don't know just just a thought but yeah that that too and then going back um what we talked about mentioned earlier the dark knight those batman movies yeah i mean because if you go back and look at you know adam west and then even <laughs> too you come up with um with michael keaton where that is a, a much darker and more gritty movie than the adam west version yeah but then i still think they even you know christopher nolan took it even a step further especially with heath ledger's joker yeah, for sure. I think, you know, just overall, like those movies were, even though they were superhero movies, they were definitely more grounded in reality. Like even if you watch like the the 2003, like Ang Lee Hulk movie versus oh, the, yes. the Incredible Hulk <laughs> years later, you know, it's it's like still a giant green guy, but right it's it's much more grounded in reality, I think. And that, so. Yeah. And that was only I mean, there's there there's only what, five years difference in those mm-hmm. movies? They, yeah. It was a pretty quick turnaround on that one. Yeah, for but sure. I, I I think it might be too that you know the people who grew up watching 101 Dalmatians. I mean, which that's a much older movie than we are, of course. But mm-hmm. um, you know, those all those people are adults now, so and they're the ones that are out spending the money. So I th- I think that is too is like, hey, there, here's this thing you loved as a kid. We're gonna make it so that you can still enjoy it as an adult. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. All right. Well, my number two uh, is the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Um, So just to preface this, I love uh, all of the Evil Dead movies. Uh, One and two, Army of Darkness. Um, I think they're all great. Um, I think this one sort of uh, captured the the spirit of the original, uh, but made it even... Uh, so the I would say that the the first one definitely has that sort of um, like shot on video f- um, sort of feel to it. It's very it almost feels like a tape that you weren't supposed to find. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the 2013 one is definitely more polished looking and, and things like that. But um, on top of that, I mean, it's just super entertaining, uh, crazy <laughs> gore effects, uh, a lot of a lot of practical. There's some CG, I believe, but. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think Fedia Alvarez has done a, a good job directing this one. He also uh, did uh, Don't Breathe, and uh, which was a cool movie. And um, super cool. Yeah, he's 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 a great uh, director. I think he knows how to build suspense and tension pretty well. Um, and you know, there was a couple of jump scares, but uh, I mean, mostly like this movie is just really creepy and suspenseful. It's also hour and a half, like on the dot. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it ramps up pretty quickly. And I actually kind of liked the the storyline that was woven in with them trying to uh, to help their friend to kind of kick her drug habit and right. to, to get sober. 
um, that made it feel like there is a reason for them to be there as opposed yeah. to just, yeah. you know, like, cause normally it's like, okay, well, why don't you guys just leave the cabin or leave the building where this scary thing is happening? But yeah, you know, it felt like there was an actual reason for them to be there and they were like, okay, well, if we, if we leave, we're kind of betraying our friend and that sort of thing. And so, yeah. um, yeah, so it felt a little bit more, uh, more grounded and I, I appreciated that a lot. Um, I, I tend to prefer this one over the original, but I think they're, like I said, they're all great. Um, so yeah, this one I, is just maybe, maybe a half star above the original for me, but, uh, the, the original, I, I definitely, uh, has a, a lot of creepy moments that, um, uh, the, also the, just the makeup and the prosthetics in the original are super freaky to me. Just the like sort of eyes rolled back in the head kind of thing. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very freaky. I showed it to Matt, I think for the first time. And, uh, he, he used to live down the street from me and, uh, I showed it to him and then he, he walked home at like two in the morning and he, he was like, this is a bad idea to watch this movie and then walk home. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I a thousand percent agree with that pick. I loved the, all of the original ones. Um, but yeah, that remake is, is super good. It's very creepy, very gory. Um, especially, you know, that the, the end towards the end no spoilers but uh you know what i'm talking about at the oh, end yeah. um yes yeah, i really wish they had done uh more i'm not sure why they just did one and bounced but um yeah, yeah i a thousand percent agree with that pick i would definitely like to see more i think i mean i know it was profitable i know it made a, a, a lot of money because i mean i think i went and saw it twice maybe three times while it was in the theater um I watched it the first time and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And so like the next day I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go watch it again. And then uh, I would like to see, there's an unrated cut out there, which has, if you can believe it, even more gore than the, uh, than the rated version. Wow. So um, I don't know how that's even possible, but uh, it, apparently it's a thing. So I'd like to check that out Yeah. at some point. Uh, that's my number two though. All right. Uh, so jumping to my number three, this is one I didn't actually realize was a remake until quite a while after I saw it. But this is the 2006 Martin Scorsese movie, The Departed. Oh, I actually uh, didn't realize that was a remake until right now. <laughs> yep. Um, so it's actually a remake of a 2002 Hong Kong movie called Infernal Affairs. Um, now, it's not the exact same characters, but the storyline is the same where the... Um, well, in The Departed, it's the, the FBI is sending a man in undercover to um, infiltrate this gang um, run by Frank Costello, who is played by Jack Nicholson. Um, when at the same time, Jack Nicholson is sending one of his guys to infiltrate um, the FBI. So you have two people undercover on either side who are sharing secrets and trying not to get caught and trying to um, bring down the bad guys and also interfere with the investigation. Um, and it is one of, I mean, anything Martin Scorsese puts out is great, but this is one of my probably top three movies of his. Um, him, everything he's done with Leonardo DiCaprio, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. The two of them together make some great movies. Sure. Um, and then, of course, Jack Nicholson is always fun to watch. But yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the original Hong Kong version, but I definitely something I will be checking out because um, it's just a super a super interesting story. I mean, 
having, you know, a cop go undercover isn't something new, but then also having someone from the the mob mob infiltrate the other side at the same time, you know, it's kind of a, a twist on an old classic. Yeah. I I love that movie. It's been a it's been a long time since I've seen it, but um yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I I, I truly didn't know it was a remake until like literally right now. So um that's pretty cool. I have to see if uh, maybe Videodrome has that one and check that out. Yep. Infernal Affairs from 2002, just a few years before The Departed came out, but I guess it had a pretty um, big impact on Martin Scorsese. He jumped right on making a new one. Yeah, that's cool. I love the way he um, he writes dialogue sort of um, similar to like Tarantino, how like it could be like an hour and a half of dialogue, but the way that they write it is just so just so good and it's kind of like i mean i know there's a lot of stuff that happens in django but just the the way that that movie was written is just like you know it's like a three-hour runtime and it's just like oh it's it's been three hours i thought it had been 20 minutes right um, yeah there's so good yeah there's a couple couple writers that you could sit down and you could just watch a like a two-hour my dinner with andre kind of movie mm-hmm. where you know martin scorsese um quentin tarantino kevin smith where it's just you just put two characters in a, on a screen for two hours and let them talk, and I will listen to anything that they say. Yep, that's I mean that even kind of like that made me think of like Reservoir Dogs because a lot of that movie you know takes place in in a, in one area. And I mean I know it cuts back and forth, but a lot of it takes place in in just kind of one or two areas. And right, um, and you have the opening scene, which is what ten minutes long of them just talking about whether you should tip or not at a yeah. restaurant. And you're just like, oh, this and is fascinating. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is so good. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I have to. I gotta definitely check out that uh, that original version of the Loot Party. That's pretty cool. All right. All right. So, so what you got? My third pick is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, so. Um, when I, I saw the thing probably way too young, um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I love it. And, um, I did not realize it was a remake until, so like I said, I saw it way too young. I was probably, I don't know, 11, 12, maybe. And I loved it. And I did not realize it was a remake of uh, a movie called the thing from another world until I was probably, I don't know. 15 16 maybe 17 and um so i actually full disclosure i've never seen the original 1951 version of uh the thing from another world but i adore john carpenter's 1982 version um i think it's just like um one of the most suspenseful movies ever made um it's yes, one of those, i agree <laughs> and i think it's like it's it's a great movie to watch uh well depending on what your version of great is i think it's a great movie to watch uh during during quarantine during it's very like uh you know because it's it's basically about this um unknown sort of almost like virus kind of thing you know that it's not really a virus but it's like an alien life form and that they don't know who's infected, who's not infected, that, you know, there's like a lot of paranoia around it. Um, and then some cabin, cabin fever cabin, elements to it yeah. being stuck inside. Yeah. And um, so it's one of those movies I, I tend to watch multiple times a year. Uh, I usually watch it around Halloween and then I usually watch it in winter when it's really cold outside just because, you know, it's all set in Antarctica. Right. And, um, yeah. So I, I love this one. I can't, you know, I can't compare it to, um, the original because i haven't seen it but i know that um 
it's it's definitely I I know for sure it's it's very different from the original. Um, obviously, loads more gore, um, right, and and things like that. But um, I think that it's a great movie. Uh, I love the score. Ennio Morricone is amazing with anything that he does. Um, but I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the thing was pretty much universally uh, hated when it came out, and uh, it it actually won. I think it won a, a nomination or won a uh, like. I think it won a Razzie for like the the worst picture of the year. Wow! When it How? came out, yeah. Wow! <laughs> I didn't know that, but that does not make sense to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's only you know years later that it gained the the following that it has now, and it's one of the highest rated movies ever. Uh, but yeah, at the time, everybody kind of hated it. They thought there it was like way too much gore and violence, and uh, apparently a lot of people hated uh, Ennio Morricone's score as well because I think it won worst score or something like that. So yeah uh, that's crazy yeah right it's like one of those things like yeah you, you looking back on that you're like how did that even happen but um yeah so yeah so uh, that one i didn't realize like you and until you told me that that was a remake um when you first mentioned it i thought you were talking about the was it the 2011 version yeah, which is yeah. which is a lot better than it has any right to be but yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't realize the the original uh, John Carpenter one was a remake. But that yeah, that I mean that's an incredible movie. The the special effects in that movie are great. The gore, you know, for it being was it eighty two. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. that it, it's it's still a great looking movie, and it's man, it is super suspenseful. And I mean, it's like I don't know what else you want out of a horror movie. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I um I if I'm not mistaken i i think this is correct um the the special effects artist uh rob boutine who uh worked on this movie i believe was 20 years old when he did this um wow. it was like one of the first things that he he had ever done um which is pretty amazing there's there's right. a lot of uh screen factory put this out on blu-ray and there's a lot of really cool behind the scenes stuff uh, about them talking on how he did a lot of the animatronics and prosthetics and makeup and everything for the movie it's pretty interesting very impressive yeah i was like dang i wish i was that cool when i was 20 <laughs> so that is my number three all right so the next one i've got on my list is uh the 2004 remake of dawn of the dead Ooh, good one i love that movie it had been a while since i seen it so i watched it the other night in preparation for this and it completely holds up um so that is um a remake of the 1974 dawn of the dead by george romero um the new version was directed by zach snyder it was his director debut actually which is pretty crazy yeah how, that is <laughs> how good i mean some of the cinematography in that movie is so cool especially the opening um the opening scenes um, but it, yeah, I didn't realize that was his first movie. I didn't. And, an, and another thing I didn't realize until I just watched it was that the remake was written by James Gunn. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's so pretty that's, cool. That's super cool. Um, so if anybody's never seen Dawn of the Dead, um, it is a zombie movie um, where you see it's at the beginning of the zombie outbreak. And a group of strangers wind up holing up in the mall trying to survive. And of course, you have different character types. You have the, you know, the big bad guy who thinks he knows everything. You have the couple who's scared and they just want to protect each other. And, 
you know, tempers flare as everybody's trying to survive and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and an interesting thing in this movie, they never say the word zombie, um, which is kind of indicative of it being the beginning. And they see on the news that, oh, you have to shoot them in the head. That's how you kill them. And so it's interesting to see, like we were talking about The Walking Dead before, where you're kind of in the midst of it. As we know, when Rick wakes up, you're kind of, it's kind of already ha been happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so to see it from the beginning and people not knowing what's going on and not understanding standing what's happening and trying to figure out is a pretty um, interesting take on the zombie franchise. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I didn't like you. I didn't realize that uh, James Gunn had written that. Um, I think that's a like that was a great remake. And I think it was a bold choice to remake, too. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> like, I think that's as as bold as remaking, you know, Halloween or uh, or any really beloved movie or franchise. Um, right. Because when you when you think of zombie movies, you think of George Romero. And besides Night of the Living Dead, um, Dawn of the Dead's got to be you know number two yeah absolutely and it's interesting to me how uh how different dawn is from night it's it's like completely different you know night night of the living dead is very um eerie and kind of it's it's pretty quiet for the majority of the movie until it kind of ramps up at the end whereas right. dawn is just like yeah let's see how many zombies we can pack onto the screen yes. at one time yeah from the, i think <laughs> i think in the uh remake by the end of it, they had used over 3,000 extras as zombies. So, wow. yeah, there, is a ton, there are a ton of zombies in this movie. <laughs> and one big difference between this one and the original is they use kind of the 28 days later um, fast zombies. They're not yeah. just, you know, shuffling and, you know, watching those old zombie movies, it's like, just, just push them down and run past them. It doesn't seem that hard as long as you don't get surrounded. Mm -hmm. But these movies are, I mean, it's like if – Usain Bolt got turned into a zombie and it's it's yeah it definitely ramps up the tension and quite a few points of that movie yeah that to me the fast zombies I remember the first time I ever watched uh 28 days later um and that scene where the zombie just like jumps through the door um scared the mess out of me and I was like oh my god okay they can run in this one <laughs> like you know, right yeah just terrifying um so I have a, um, I, I love uh, both the remake and the original Dawn of the Dead. And I have this um, import uh, Blu-ray from uh, this company called Second Sight Films. And it's like an eight disc uh, ultimate collector's edition of Dawn of the Dead. It's like all three or four cuts of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's like two discs of it are the CD soundtrack. Uh, another disc is the, um like narrated audiobook of the, oh, of the wow. uh, novel and then it comes with the graphic novel i believe and then a, a novelization of the book as well as like behind the scenes stuff and i was like okay i gotta get this and uh, yeah, it's one of the pretty... one of the reasons i have like a, a region free player yeah that's a pretty expansive uh collector's edition <laughs> yeah it's actually it's it's almost as thick as my uh friday the 13th collection box set and it's just wow. you know, one movie <laughs> one movie <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's one uh that's one if if somebody had never seen either version it would kind of be difficult to pick one or over the other to recommend cuz they're both fantastic movies yeah i'm kind of in that boat like right now cuz holly hasn't seen either of them and so i have this giant box set sitting on my shelf and i'm like we should watch this movie but i'm also like you know 
they're both good. So I guess we could probably just watch each one of them. We kind of did that the other night with uh, My Bloody Valentine. So I showed oh, okay. her the the reboot, which is uh, hot garbage. And then I was like, okay, now we got to watch the uh, the original. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, and you showed you showed her Night of the Living Dead for the first time, right? Yes, we. And she liked that one. Mm-hmm, she did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I I think she would enjoy both versions of it. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, so my number four is uh, the 1978 version of um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And um, I think that both versions of this movie are, are fantastic. Um, but I think that the 78 version has a slight edge over the 1956 version. Um, they're, like I said, they're both really good. Um, but I think the, the 78 version has um, a little bit more of a uh, mass hysteria, sci-fi kind of element to it, a little bit more of a horror element, uh, as well as being almost, uh, about, well, actually it's, it is about a good, uh, 40 minutes longer as well. Um, okay. so you got a little bit more story. Um, and it's very like, uh, it's just a, it's a really like, it starts off and, and you as the viewer are kind of in a state of, okay, something is not quite right here. And the characters are, they start off a little bit paranoid. And by the end, it's almost this sort of mass hysteria. Like, um, they basically these, these, this town of that's in San Francisco and they, they start noticing that, um, they're these, the, the people in the town notice that their relatives are kind of not acting like themselves or acting different. And, uh, the, uh, over the course of the movie, the, the invaders kind of, increase in number and it becomes a little bit more apparent that these people are being replaced uh with some someone else something else and uh so these people kind of realize that there's a small group of of people who realize that uh their relatives and the loved ones have been replaced and uh so they try to escape san francisco before the same happens to them um and like they're they're both great uh but i think the 78 version has a slight edge of suspense and um, also just kind of not knowing uh, how they're actually going to get out of that situation, as well as it being a little bit more fleshed out too, because like I said, it's an additional 40 minutes longer. So the, the original uh, 1956 version is 80 minutes long and the 78 version is 116 minutes. So, uh. Well, I have actually never seen either version, um, but that does it. good. Yeah, that does sound uh, very interesting. And I f- is that that's a movie that's been remade multiple times, right? Wasn't it Nicole Kidman in a more recent version? Was um, it just called The Invasion, or is yeah, that something there, different? There is a there is a movie called The Invasion, um, and I I think it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of similar. I believe I haven't seen The Invasion, but um, I think it I think it is pretty similar. There's like a an alien virus. Uh, on this this crash spaceship and um yeah it's it's very it, it might be a a remake of uh invasion of the body snatchers just called something slightly different i think it also had uh daniel craig in it if i'm not mistaken yes yeah it did okay yeah I've, i haven't seen it but yeah I, I believe that is that might be another remake so yeah and, i'll have to check that out i haven't seen other version of that yeah they're both good and i believe uh if I, I want to say it's based off of a novel as well. Um, so it's kind of in several different forms. Okay. Yeah. 
So invasion of the body snatchers. All right. So the last one I've got on my list, speaking of Daniel Craig, is one is probably my personal favorite. It's a remake and a reboot. Um, is 2006's Casino Royale. Oh, nice. I actually have um, never seen it. Dude. Okay. I love James Bond. I love Daniel Craig as James Bond. And this movie is so good. <laughs> it is very, um, in terms of, have you seen any of his James Bond movies? Actually, I haven't. So to be totally transparent, I have never seen a single James Bond movie. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> this is definitely a good place to start. Um, so Casino Royale. So James Bond started out as a book series by author Ian Fleming. Um, and then in the 50s, they were trying to translate that onto screen. Uh, the books were insanely popular. So, of course, they thought that it would, you know, translate well. Um, so the original version of Casino Royale was actually a made-for-TV movie um, that was part of a series on CBS called Climax. And it was an anthology series where every episode was a, an individual story, but most of them, including Casino Royale, were actually performed live. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, so it was it was it only had a 52-minute runtime because it was an hour-long show, um, and it starred Barry Nelson as the, the very first on-screen version of James Bond. Um, the, it, it was not well received. It still is not well received because part of the problem is the very short runtime. Mm -hmm. And because it was being performed live in the middle of it, they realized they were running long and were editing it on the go as they were performing it live. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it was not received very well and it would be another eight years before, um, Sean Connery would star as James Bond in Dr. No, which leads into all of the James Bond movies that we have now. Um, so this movie was actually sort of remade in 1967, 13 years after the original. Uh, there was a spoof spy um, parody movie called Casino Royale okay. that starred Orson Welles, um, Peter Sellers, Woody Al Allen, um, and it was, I've never seen it, um, but it is sort of, is the same story, but it's kind of a spoof version of it. Anyways, you have James Bond, because that one um, did not do well, they kicked that story to the side. They weren't going to touch that story again until 2006. Um, so this was the first movie to feature Daniel Craig as James Bond. And it also served as a soft reboot of the series because Casino Royale is the story of Casino Royale is his first mission as a double O agent. So it kind of goes back to the beginning. Okay. Um, so so then, that, like you said, that would be a good place to start for somebody would, who hasn't seen any. Yes, gotcha. Would be a great place to start. Um, so you had multiple people playing James Bond over the years. Um, there have been, I think No Time to Die, whenever it eventually comes out, is going to be the 27th movie, I believe. Wow. <laughs> um, but it was all kind of, you know, well, it's, a, you know, the same story. It's just a different guy playing it. You know, there was some things that tied in between the James Bonds. But this one was sort of a soft reboot. Um, 
because it goes back to the beginning. So Daniel Craig is James Bond. You have uh, Eva Green as Vesper Lynn. Mads Mikkelsen as the bad guy, uh, Lashif. And then, of course, you have Dame Judi Dench as M. And it is a fantastic movie. It is probably my favorite James Bond movie, which is kind of hard to say because he is the new guy. So it might kind of be, you know, a little biased because he's the new guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's fantastic and definitely worth a watch. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I've been, I think I've been kind of meaning to check out some of the James Bond movies. I think it's just almost sort of like uh, like Game of Thrones. Like I kind of, I, I, I didn't ever start at the beginning. Like I didn't start watching it when it came out. And so I kind of just got overwhelmed daunting. and daunting. Yeah. yeah to watch yeah. 26, 27 movies. And uh, yeah, and I didn't really know where to start, things like that. So um, now that I know a good place to start, I'll check them out. Yep, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, my last one, my number five, uh, is the 1988 uh, remake of The Blob, uh, which is directed by Chuck Russell. And uh, similar to um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, I, I love both versions of this movie. Uh, they are very different from each other, though. Um, so there's the 1958 version of The Blob, uh, which was directed by a guy named uh, Irvin Yeworth, uh Jr. And uh, it's really great. It's definitely like a um, be. They're actually they. I think they complement each other uh, really well, though. Uh, while they're they're different, they're also, of course, the story is similar and things like that. They they'd be uh, great uh, drive-in movies, which I actually saw the '88 uh, version at the drive-in last year around my birthday. So it was a lot of fun. Um, but basically, in this movie, uh, yeah, this big germ warfare project that the government is working on and. Uh, it eventually kind of just grows to an uncontainable size and consumes everything in its path. And um, it kind of dissolves everything. It dissolves people if it, if it you know, gets them in, like inside of itself and things like that. And the, the teenagers, of course, just like in most horror movies, try to warn the adults what's happening and they're not taken seriously and all that sort of thing. And uh, it just gets out of control. But um, yeah, this is a, the 80s version is definitely, if somebody asked me like, Hey, what's a what's a great '80s horror movie to watch? What's like this is one of the the quintessential ones for me. It's the, is the Blob uh, as well as maybe like the Fog, Christine stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. But this one's up there is one of my one of my favorites. And like I said, both versions are great. Um, I just think that the '88 version has a slight edge on the original. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe half a star's worth of uh, edge, but because I love both of them, but. Um, yeah, I think there you could watch either one of them. You could do a double feature, and they would both complement each other really well. Cool. Yeah, I've never I have never seen the original version, but I have seen the '88 version, and I really liked it. Yeah, um, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, wasn't Rob Zombie at some point supposed to do a remake of it? I I heard rumors about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh, what happened with it, or if they're still doing it. I had I had seen I'd also heard. Um, that um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It could could it be one of the rumors or something? But I'd heard that um, there's another remake coming out that has Samuel L. Jackson in it. Supposedly, it's in development. Um, and I had heard rumors that uh, Jordan Peele was attached to it, but I don't know if that's true or not. I I would prefer that to Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Rob Rob the Rob Zombie version. I feel like that was way back in between the Halloween movies when that rumor was going around. So maybe that's not a thing anymore. 
but yeah. I believe he was at one point attached to do another remake. Yeah, I feel like that's that's something I've heard before. Um, and yeah, I would uh, like you said, I would prefer if Jordan Peele were to do it over Rob Zombie. I feel like it would just turn into a weird sex movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, starring starring his wife, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think so. <laughs> Well, um, so moving into kind of part two of our of our conversation about remakes. Um, so these are the next portion is going to be remakes of, uh, or excuse me, uh, movies that should not be remade. Um, and how? So how many do you have on your list of movies that should not be remade? Um, I've got three in particular. Okay, I I wasn't too sure how many to to put. So I actually have thirteen. Um, oh, I I feel like we could sit here and name a hundred with we, no problem. Yeah, we. Uh, so it was actually it was hard for me to to pick thirteen or to pick because uh, I I kind of I used to be very much like no don't remake that leave it alone, um, and now I'm I'm kind of more of like I mean yeah let's see what happens kind of kind of mindset. However, there are these thirteen. I, I won't spend a, a great deal of time talking about them um, because I do have so many. Um, but I'll just kind of run through them and, uh, there, I might spend a, a few minutes more talking about certain ones, but, um, you go ahead and, and, uh, kick it off. Okay. Uh, the first one I have is, um, the wizard of Oz. I have loved that movie my entire life. I know it has been, um, it, you know, Disney did a sort of sequel to it. Um, you have The Wiz. I think there's been a few animated versions of it. But that original story um, with Judy Garland is, I mean, that is the epitome of a classic movie. And I don't, even, even with modern technology and what they can do with computers and special effects nowadays, I don't think there's really anything you can do to that movie to make it any better. Yeah. And I mean, I love that movie. And I just just let it be. Mm-hmm. I got you. So I will kind of since I like I said since I have so many there's there's a, a, a couple of reasons why I have each of these listed and I'm going to kind of do a group of ones together that okay. I don't think need to be remade for the sole reason that the time period that they were made in uh, makes them nostalgic makes them fun and I don't think that they could capture that nostalgic sort of fun feeling um, I feel like if they were to be remade today, it would almost be like a soulless copy of what right. you know it was. So those those movies would be E.T., uh, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. um, Silver Bullet, and um, yeah. So those those I picked those three simply because I feel like they they were captured so well already. I, I right. couldn't really see a 2021 remake of E.T. Um, I feel like it would be a bunch of kids, instead of kids riding their bikes around the neighborhood, it would be a bunch of kids hanging out on, like, making TikTok videos or something stupid yeah. like that. Oh my <laughs> God. It, it would be almost as bad as Thor playing Fortnite. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and and then Back to the Future has the the fun element of, like, okay, we're in the 80s. Let's see what 2015 would be like. Let's see what, you know. But, and And I don't really want to see what more into the future would look like i think that the what really worked well for those movies was the just the the like kind of goofy fun special effects that they had um that sense of like possibility for the future and things like that 
we've already seen what 2015 looked like. Um, right. And so I think that just, you know, for the, I think the trilogy is kind of perfect as it is. And I think, again, that would kind of be like a soulless remake. Uh, yeah. So and looking at that, at that back to the future also with that cast, who in the world do you recast in those roles that right. could do it any justice? Exactly. And then that's, that's kind of the thing is like, yeah, uh, I just, yeah, I think it was a perfectly cast, perfectly written movie. And I think the trilogy is just the, where, where it should stop. Um, and then the, the next, the last one in that sort of group of, you know, just nostalgia would be Silver Bullet. Uh, you have a deranged Gary Busey. Uh, you, <laughs> you have um, some great uh, werewolf animatronics and, and transformation scenes and things like that, uh, as well as like just the, uh, you know, Marty, the kid in the, in the wheelchair. And he just, I don't know. It's just like, I don't think that story would work in a modern day setting. I think that part of the reason it worked is there was no cell phones. There was no, you know, cause like he goes to the, he goes to the scene at the lake where he goes and he sees the werewolf. Um, you know, nowadays the scene like that would probably be reworked where he's like, nobody believes him cause he, he, he sees it when he's alone, but now you could solve that problem by, taking a picture on your phone or recording an Instagram live or, you know, whatever. And, yeah. and, and so nobody believes him because he can never, he always sees it when he's alone. So I think that it would be kind of written in to be like, Oh, he's got these pictures of, you know, the werewolf on his phone, things like that. So, right. I, I feel like that's a thing sort of in modern horror movies too. Either you have to incorporate the technology into the story or you have to have a scene where the, their battery dies or they lose their phone or something like that because right. so many horror movies could be solved with with a cell phone. Right. And I think that's what made what makes these movies kind of fun is like you you, you don't have that simple luxury of being able to just like oh well, I'll just call somebody to come and you know pick me up or whatever like and uh you don't have the luxury of the internet and cell phones and things like that. So I think those makes those movies all the more charming. Um but yeah, so what's your uh, what's your number two? Uh, so number two, I think is you might have on your list is probably one of the most obvious ones it would be the original Star Wars. Um, yes, you could if you look at the new the newest trilogy and you look at you know the special effects and everything that they can do with that. Um, you could make a visually, I think, better movie. Um, but the, it's the same thing, like I said, with Back to the Future. With that cast, who do you recast? And yeah. it's such a, I mean, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, yeah, you know, Empire obviously being, you know, better than the original, of course. But mm -hmm. that just kicking off the entire, you know, 40-something years of Star Wars, I just, I, it would it, it would just be a soulless remake. It, I just don't think you could ever do it any sort of justice. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree that actually surprisingly that one's not on my list, but I do, I do agree with you for sure. Um, so I'm going to kind of group a couple more together, uh, for, for mine. And, uh, so I think that these, these movies I'm about to list would not work well as remakes simply because of the time that they were made, uh, again, sort of similar to the, like the eighties ones I was just saying, but, uh, for different reasons. So, um, I, so the, uh, the Changeling, uh, which is a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it, about a, a composer who who moves to a haunted house, um, and then Twelve Angry Men, which is one mm. of the greatest movies ever. Yes. Uh, and Night of the Hunter, which is also one of my favorite movies ever. 
Um, so <clears throat> the reason I don't think that the Changeling would work as a remake uh, is just, I mean, one of the biggest reasons is because the original nailed it. Um, it's got this really, really, um, it's very atmospheric. Uh, it's it's about a about a composer who moves to Seattle after uh, he, some tragic events happen to his wife and child, and um, it's very. I mean, it's just yeah. Again, I think if 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 with the incorporation of like modern technology and things like that, I think some of the problems uh, could kind of be solved a little bit more quickly. Um, right. Actually. If we had modern day technology, I don't know that the movie would actually um, even happen because uh, the one of the 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 scene where the tragedy takes place, they they stop and the the uh, the the mom and the child are in a payphone, uh, and so you know if they had a cell phone, they would have never even stopped to use the payphone. So I think you know that would kind of it just wouldn't really work. I mean, I'm sure they could probably right around that or whatever but i just feel like the the original nailed it so much that uh i don't think that it would even really be worth it to to try to do uh, a different version um 12 angry men to me wouldn't really work as a uh remake simply because the whole premise is like it's just i mean it's super ahead of its time uh where you know these these uh the, the jury has to decide whether this spanish american man is is guilty or innocent of, uh, of killing his father and it, it deals is 1957 and it deals with race, um, which would, I mean, it would definitely be relevant today um, right. and, and is relevant today, but I think that it was just so what worked for it so well is that it was so incredibly ahead of its time. Um, yes. it wasn't really, you know, to, to talk about like just kind of profiling somebody and, and deciding that they're guilty or innocent based on their skin color. Um, doing that in the 50s a movie right. like that in the 50s yeah exactly and i think that's what makes it such an incredible movie is that you know they were doing that that's exactly what they did with this movie um and it's just yeah i mean i think it would still be very very relevant today but i think that um yeah at the the time that it was made it was just you know that wasn't being done and uh yeah so and uh so the the next one for that sort of category would be uh, night of the hunter which uh have you ever seen that movie no i haven't um it is amazing uh i highly recommend it um it's it's a it's directed by uh charles lawton who um who did um oh my gosh i'm blanking on the movies that he uh oh my goodness i don't <laughs> i don't remember he's done he's done a lot of great movies he's also uh acted in a lot of great movies as well um but this is one of my favorites that he's done and um it stars um robert mitchum and he plays just the creepiest guy so basically um he plays a preacher and or he's not really a preacher but he plays a preacher and he he gets this information about a guy that he was in prison with that he has robbed a bank and stashed all this money at his house so the the guy basically ends up dying that has this money stashed away and robert mitchum's character plays this preacher and sort of uh kind of coerces the the dead man's wife into marrying him so he can he can find all the money that he has hidden away and he just plays this like so it's 1955 and this guy by modern day villain standards he would be pretty terrifying 
And mm -hmm. so by 1955 standards, he's like, you know, nothing like this had been seen before, uh, especially, you know, during that time period. And uh, he just plays the heck out of his role. And I think it's just really, it's a great movie. Very cool. Yep. So uh, what's your, what's your number three? So the third one that I have is 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh yeah. That was I almost feel, on my list. I feel like any, I, it, really remaking anything Kubrick did, you're going to lose a lot of the, you know, the, the, I guess the soul of the movie, like we mentioned before, mm -hmm. but 2001 is such an incredible movie from the story to the practical effects to the special effects that they use. And I think a big problem that you would have now, if you were to remake it for a modern audience is you would, you would dumb that movie down so much to explain everything that's happening. Yes. That it would just lose you know, everything that made that movie great because the vagueness and the not understanding what's going on creates tension, creates, you know, it's a movie that you want to watch over and over again. And um, the book um, is also very, very well done. Um, it does, because it is a in-text form, it does explain a little more than the movie does. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you could go back and forth watching and reading that, and it's fantastic. And I just think there's really no way. I don't think anybody would do it justice trying to remake it today. Yeah, I don't even know who would want to take that task on. <laughs> That's not right. really, the only the only person that I could really see maybe potentially doing it justice would be. Um, um, Dennis. Um, um, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yep. Villena View, I think is how you yeah. say his last name. Yeah, because yeah, all his movies have been pretty incredible. Um, yeah, could, Arrival could... is fantastic. I'm excited for the Dune, uh, yes. Dune remake. I, yeah, but... exactly. So I, I think that he, if if anybody was to ever do it, I feel like he would be the one that they should give it to. But I just just leave it alone. It's yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It's <laughs> just, perfect. Oh, yeah, it I agree. Leave it alone. <laughs> the book is uh, the book is Arthur C. Clarke, right? Right. And they, he would wrote the book while they were making the movie. Oh, okay. So he worked with Stanley Kubrick writing the book and making the movie simultaneously. Okay. So they worked very well together. That's awesome. I got to read the book. It's on my list to read. I just haven't gotten around to it. I was actually able to see uh, a screening of 2001 um, in IMAX a couple of years ago, and it was insane. Yeah. I, I, that might be my favorite movie of all time. I love that movie is so perfect. It really is. It's so good. So um, going into my last few here, um, I'll kind of give a brief rundown of them because I have several other ones and I'll be done. Um, but kind of to to bounce off of what you just said, um, leaving Stanley Kubrick stuff alone. Uh, so The Shining uh, is one that's on my list, and I know mm -hmm. there's that kind of weird TV version of the. Yeah. Uh, uh, this the that, Stephen King approved version. <laughs> yeah. And to me, that's proof enough and reason enough to just leave it alone. Um, right. Because that was a hot mess. Man, uh, and speaking, speaking of a crazy quarantine watch, I haven't seen that in quarantine, but I, I feel like that's probably not a great idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know how that would, yeah, because, yeah, that's, I, it's just, it's just perfect. I mean, it's like, you can't touch Jack Nicholson's performance. Also, I feel like, uh, the underdog there, uh, Shelly Duvall. Her, Definitely. Um, 
her yeah her performance is just insane and um yeah it's just, and it's it's she's very over the top especially towards the end of that movie yeah. but when you like look at what's happening and how you know jack is affecting her and her son like how would you you know how would you react in that situation too <laughs> yeah especially with like i read uh, a lot of trivia about the shining and just the fact that uh kubrick basically kind of put her through hell on the set just to get like a better you know like crazed performance from her and stuff right just kind of she was very sort of like outcast from the rest of the cast and crew and things like that and so yeah i'm sure all that kind of played parts in, into how she was performing and things like that too so um but yeah i just think it's it's just a great movie and yeah just one of those that's like just leave it alone because i don't think you're gonna get it any better than it is um yeah now did have you have you seen dr sleep i have yes i did enjoy that i felt like it complemented it well while still being something different Um, okay yeah it's on my list to watch but i haven't seen it yet i was curious there there are of course like references and and shots that they've sort of like kind of redone from the shining uh that are kind of spliced throughout but it's it's pretty much little like short short clips of like just kind of like flashes to um shelly duvall and Jack Nicholson and stuff, but uh, played by different actors. Uh, but it's like just a couple of second flashbacks to the Overlook and things like that. Um, okay. Which I haven't read the book, uh, but it's it's on my list to read. But yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, Doctor Sleep. It's 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 a long movie. It's it's close to three hours, and the director's cut is a little over three hours, I believe. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, really good. Um, so next up, I have um, Donnie Darko. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like the the time period that that was released would played uh, very heavily into um, just how how good the movie was. Just if if for nothing else, the music choices that they had throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just feel like we got that really angsty performance from uh, um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, thank you, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> Words, um, but yeah, and just uh, it was it was great. Um, just. I love the the music that they that they chose, like the the score itself, and and the, just the actual you know songs uh, that were kind of scattered throughout. And you get this sort of um, believability of Jake Gyllenhaal playing a, a high school student. And um, yeah, I mean, just super good. I don't know that it would have really worked well for any other time period. Um, and, and and I don't know if that's maybe just having you know, like if that movie came out now, I'm sure it'd be great had the original never existed, but I guess yeah. just the original being so good. It's kind of like- yeah. And it, it's funny too, to go back and watch that movie now and watch, see how many people in that movie are famous now. Yes. It's kind of like watching freaks and geeks when, uh, you know, Seth Rogen and Martin Starr and all these people were nobodies. And then you go back and watch that show. And it's like, wow, everybody in this show is famous now. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so last, I got one, two, three, four, five, and I'm just going to kind of just run them off real quick. Um, okay. just, and then, so the, the category that I, I picked these to not be remade or rebooted was just cause I think that they're perfect the way they are. Uh, so that is Arrival, Wally, La La Land, The Revenant, and Turbo Kid. Um, all very different movies, but, um, mm-hmm. I think that they are all, basically just perfect the way that they are. And and I couldn't really see any of them being remade or rebooted. I know Disney's kind of on that kick of like remaking everything. Um, I don't, I don't think that they would ever do like a, a live action version of Wally. Cause I don't understand how that would even work, but no. um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I also feel like it's a fiercely underrated 
uh, Disney movie. Yes, um, it, it's it, in my top three for sure. It's so good. It just it, it's my favorite Pixar movie, uh, hands down. And uh, yeah, I think uh, you know La La Land is just a great one as well. The soundtrack and the score and just the, all the people who worked on that movie. I feel like if you had anybody else involved, it would be very different. Um, right. The Revenant finally won Leo an Oscar. Yep. Um, so <laughs> that one's amazing. Uh, Turbo Kid is a great sort of slice of 80s nostalgia that came out a few years ago and it's yeah. amazing. Turbo um, Kid, I watched not too long ago based on this uh, podcast. You recommended on this podcast and I loved it. It's it, so good. <laughs> it is. It's so it's amazing. It's one of my favorites. Um, I uh, I ordered the uh, like a UK import Blu-ray because I needed to to own it on Blu-ray because every time I wanted to watch it, it was on a, like a different streaming service. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, one of my favorites. And then Arrival is just fantastic. And I, I can't really say anybody else, but uh, Dennis, uh, again, I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right, but Dills Villeneuve, I believe is how you say his name. And mm. I can't see anybody else but him doing it just because yeah. that the ending of that movie blew my mind. So Yes. Um, <laughs> that was, what was, was that, 2016, I believe. 16, mm-hmm. I believe. I'd have to go back and look on my Instagram, but I believe that was my pick for my favorite movie of that year. I, yes, that movie is fantastic. It is. And I, uh, yeah, I, I saw it. So I had seen the trailer for that one back when it, was, it came out. And uh, me and Matt caught a, uh, uh, like a matinee of that. And we were the only people in there. We didn't know what to expect. And by the end of that movie, we were just like, holy crap. Like, it's just yes. so good. And uh, I showed it to Holly for the first time last year and blew her mind too. And then I had kind of forgotten, like, uh, the all the ins and outs of it i kind of remember the gist of it but uh Mm -hmm. it blew my mind again after not having you know having not seen it for about a year or two so right enjoyed it a lot but yeah so is that everything for you yeah those are i think those are all very solid choices cool that is it for me too um so is there is there anything that is hopefully coming out in the theater this year that you're looking forward to aside from kong and versus godzilla yeah, um, definitely looking forward to that. I think probably my most anticipated, just because of how many times it's been pushed back now because of COVID, is is uh, No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. Yeah, um, which is going to be Daniel Craig's final movie. Um, let's see, we finally got Saint Maud finally came out. Yes, um, I feel like an eternity. <laughs> yes, um, another movie um, that's supposed to come out. Hopefully in October is um, a movie called Antlers that looks really really interesting. Um, that was also supposed to have come out last year, um, and then I'm ready for the Marvel Marvel movies to kick back up. But yeah. if you are not anybody listening to this that is not watching Wandavision, you are out of your mind. That is the best thing on television right now. <laughs> Wandavision so is so good. <laughs> And, yes. you know, that's, it's a TV show, but it is, you know, it's part of the Marvel universe. So it's movie adjacent, but yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the Marvel movies to, to kick back up too. Me too. It feels weird <laughs> having gone like a whole year without any, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for those as well. I'm excited for uh, the new uh, Falcon and winter soldier show. I think it's going to be arguably even better than WandaVision, even though WandaVision has been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm also really excited for the third Conjuring movie. Um, oh yeah. That I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. definitely. And I think Candyman is supposed to be released finally this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Halloween Kills, I think, will be coming out in October. Yep. Hopefully, if everything, I think, if 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 it, if for some reason a theatrical run is not able to happen, I think at that point they should just do a VOD release and let everybody see it. Because right, yeah, I was so disappointed. I was like, if we get one, if if we get any movie to be released, this is last year. You know, if any movie can be released this year, I was like, let it be Halloween. I was so pumped yeah. for it. But yes, yeah. I'm very excited for that. I I really like the 2018 one. I did too. I liked it a lot. So hopefully yeah, we'll get that this year. And, um, and James Wan is supposed to be doing, I don't think it comes out this year, uh, but he's doing a, a movie that's sort of like a return to horror for him. And it's like got a, apparently a bunch of nods to uh, to like early Jalo films and stuff like that. It's called, actually it is coming out this year. It's called Malignant. Um, okay. And there's no really, there's it, it just, there's no description or anything like that. Letterbox just says plot kept under wraps um so hopefully they'll keep it a secret and we'll all yeah, be surprised but, but uh hey a james one horror movie i'm i'm there for that yeah absolutely so um but yeah God, i'm just excited to be able to go back to the theater and see things it's just been weird because like we kind of lived at the theater for most of you know the past few years got a list and all that for amc and been going me and holly were going two and three times a week and you know to not go any at all for like a whole year is kind of yeah, kind of depressing. Yeah, I, de- I definitely miss. I believe I want to say nineteen seventeen was the last movie I saw in theater. Yep, that's the last one I saw as well. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, right before that, we saw Underwater, which is a great one if you haven't seen. Is um, that uh, Kristen Stewart? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that one yet. It's a really good one. It's kind of like Alien Underwater. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty cool. But um, I guess that will about do it for this episode. Um, thank you, Tim, for for joining me in our and our thanks for having me, man. Remakes and reboots, yeah, for sure. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe and leave a review if you don't mind. And uh, we'll be back shortly with a new one. Bye for now. See you.